dirty text messages that you find yourself wanting to share out loud, they're just that good? Tune in to the latest live stream show, Lady Daddy Reads, on Instagram, where Lady Daddy narrates your erotic text messages every Tuesday and Saturday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So come and listen at Lady Daddy Talks and follow the hashtag Lady Daddy Reads. Now enjoy the show. All right, welcome to the latest episode of Lady Daddy Talks. I have a very special guest with me on this episode. We have Nookie Notes. Welcome. Thank you for having me. This sounds like it's going to be fun. Oh, I'm so excited. How's your quarantine going? <laughs> Better than many, probably. Not good as, as good as those people who have their multi-million dollar yachts to quarantine on, but other than that. <laughs> here, here. I swear I've been telling people I'm enjoying my quarantine a little bit more than I should, but I think I've become a bit introverted over the years. Yeah, yeah. This is... I mean, I'd, I'd prefer to be out with my friends and so on and so forth several times a week, um, but I'm pretty good at being home. I work from home. I have worked from home for over two decades, so Ooh. this is not too much of a change for me. Yeah, I feel like not much of my routine has changed as well. I feel like I have, I don't know, kind of desire to want to go out a little bit more, but I think it's just because we're easing into, you know, spring and summertime, because usually when it's fall and winter, I just want to stay home anyway. (laughs) Right. I've been, I've been getting outside, absolutely, for like exercise and stuff like that. So, you know, I don't feel like I'm cooped up. Um, Yeah, I think that's what's getting people the most is just feeling like they're trapped at home when really they should, you know, feel the comfort of being in their homes. (laughs) If their homes are comfortable. Yes, that is truly the important part. But just to sort of dive on in, I'm actually curious how you got uh, your scene name, Nookie Notes. I think it's the cutest freaking name. (laughs) Okay, so this is, I've had Nookie Notes for 11 or 12 years. Prior to that, it was Nookie. Um, So when I was 14, I started, I set a precedent of buying myself a birthday present every year. And at 14, the first birthday present I ever bought myself was the Oxford English Dictionary. And being 14 and hanging out with other people my age and 15 and 16 and so on and so forth. Um, the first thing we wanted to do with the world's most complete English dictionary was look up the dirty words. <laughs> and we did. Um, all of them that we could think of, including some like I had never even thought of, including Nookie. And um, the word Nookie is, as you can probably imagine, used to indicate the four-legged frolic or you know, sex or whatever. Um, it was not yet at that time used to refer to lady bits, um, but it also came from uh, the 1940s Scottish slang. A nookie was a woman you'd be interested in doing the four-legged frolic with. So it was kind of 
slang like bird or dame, you know, and mm -hmm. um, thus I got my nickname and I've had it ever since. When I first signed into FetLife, during their first year, the name Nookie had already been taken um, by actually somebody doing testing. And uh, so I just added notes on the end because I wrote a lot. And so that's what I've pretty much been using ever since. My friends call me Nookie, but everything online for kinky stuff is Nookie Notes. And it's funny how you would always just like buy yourself dictionaries because I have like this infatuation with thesauruses and even this past Christmas I had my significant other get me I think he got me like two yeah like two different thesauruses and even one of my friends I visited uh this past fall got me like a little pocket thesaurus nice yeah <laughs> I was just like if that's not being a bookworm I don't know what else is I, I just love words, and I think that, um, you know, one of, one of the quotes, well, maybe not a quote, I guess motto, because I don't think I ever heard it somewhere, I think I just sort of started saying it, um, that I've carried around with me over the years is words have meaning. And what I love about a thesaurus is that it gives us, you know, synonyms and antonyms and so on and so forth, but the great thing about synonyms is that each one generally means something slightly different and gives yes. a different you know, feeling or hint or whatever. And that's, you know, that's what I say when I say words have meaning is that the words you choose matter to you and then they matter to somebody else as well. And that just reminded me, one of my friends introduced me to a new term. Um, oh gosh, what is it? It's, uh, I think it's narratophilia which mm. I did not know of this fetish, but it describes me so perfectly. <laughs> Let me see if I can find it, but it, it has a really beautiful definition. And especially as I started getting into blogging and doing this podcast. Let me see if I can find it. But I don't know, it basically just describes like your fetish for... Um, you know, dirty talk, you know, mm. basically just speaking about sex and just anything in that context. And it's just like, I don't see myself like having an obsession with it, but I do see it is this constant thing I do like to talk about in some way, shape or form. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. And then speaking of... Um, when you first signed up for FetLife, I'd love to get into your background of how you got into the BDSM lifestyle. So uh, I grew up with kinksters, um, swingsters actually, which swingsters. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't actually make that much of a difference once you, it comes right down to it, because it's not like they set me down with the, for the birds and the bees and the BDSM. Um, I didn't actually figure out what they were into until I was an adult and out of the house. That's how clueless I was. Um, but the people they hung out with are the same types of people that you might see at a munch. Um, and so I guess I just got used to being around 
a wide variety of people. And when I was 19 and sneaking into bars in New York City that I shouldn't have been in, um, I ended up at the vault. A friend of mine, a friend of a friend bartended there. And so we got in and I walked in and there were people crawling around on their knees and there were people walking around in leather and latex and masks and carrying whips and um, I was 19 in a mini skirt and knee high boots and you know people wanted to do things for me and I was like oh I like this mm-hmm. um, and I joke that that going into the scene there in New York City at the vault when I was 19 I mean this was 92 um, I was part of the glitterati or what I affectionately refer to as SNM stand and model um, it was all about like how you looked at any given point. <laughs> um, and it wasn't until probably six or seven years later that I started really paying a lot of attention to the mental aspects of things. Because at 19, you know, I, I could get pretty much whatever I wanted um, and didn't really have to think a whole lot about the mental aspect. Uh, so, you know, fast forward you know, seven years, I started thinking about the mental aspects. Now, 20 years later, uh, you know, that's kind of where I tend to dwell is into, you know, what does this do to us? What does it mean to us? How do we connect with people and interact with people and dive deeply with others into, you know, this thing we call kink? I can I can definitely relate. I mean, even with my introduction, I think I I got into the scene around 2013, 2014 as a go-go dancer. And so mm-hmm. I was I was more of a voyeur than a participant. And so I mean I would engage here and there, but it took a good few years before I really you know, started asking myself more questions, which is like, okay, like, do I really want to be a part of this? And how deep do I want this to go aside from, okay, I just occasionally do kinky things in the bedroom. And I just keep hooking up with all these vanilla people that think they want to be kinky. But then when you really get into it, it's like, wow, that's really fucking freaky. I don't know if I want to do that. Right. Right. I don't necessarily think of myself as incredibly kinky um compared to i guess vanilla folk i absolutely am and i I mean i've written a book about butt play and um you know i i i a dominant and i enjoy you know rough sex and kinky stuff and so on and so forth but compared to some people you know i'm kind of a lightweight you know i'm i don't own slaves i have a submissive but i don't own slaves and um i don't walk around in you know leather even at events really I'm, i tend to be more comfortable unless there's you know a specific reason to dress up um and uh you know so i just i think that there's a wide variety of kink out there and that's one of the reasons that i have a tendency to you know promote the you know do what works concept find your place find your, your space with your partner and then do what works and don't worry about whether you're subbier than thou or domlier than thou or, you know, switchier than thou or a little or a middle or a, you know, voyeur or an exhibitionist or whatever. Um, 
just find your space and inhabit it. Absolutely. That is truly a motto to live by. And so how, how would you describe your identifiers within the lifestyle? <laughs> so I'm a dominant and that's just who I am. That doesn't mean I'm like your dominant or anybody else's dominant. <laughs> I'm just a dominant person. I am dominant to one person, my submissive, my pet, my lover, my boyfriend, my everything, my little slut, you know. Um, <laughs> but when it comes to play, I call myself a switch or a hedonist. It doesn't matter if it's topping or bottoming. I don't care as long as I'm having fun. Um, I like to joke that you could fuck me in the ass and pull my hair and call me a slut. And as long as I'm enjoying it, I don't care because I know that I'm in charge of anything that I'm in the middle of, or I'm at least an equal partner and can call things off at any moment. So it doesn't really matter to me um, what the actions are as long as everybody's enjoying themselves. It's very similar to my boyfriend as well, because he's always um, identified as being a hedonist overall, but only <laughs> recently has been diving into the more like DS aspect of the lifestyle. So it's been a really uh, interesting journey to observe, at least with him, because I've been more on the kinky DS, BDSM, almost leather aspect of the lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So to kind of see like how we're compatible and yet like where we distinguish our interests, it's, it's really interesting to watch it evolve, especially because he's on the more like hedonistic, sensual, um, like swinger side of it. And it's like, well, <laughs> that's just, it's interesting to watch how it evolves. Oh, absolutely. And I, I mean, for me, the DS aspect is a huge part of who I am. Um, but it only matters to me with the specific connections that I make. It doesn't matter to me as far as the rest of the world goes. I don't care if anyone identifies me or acknowledges me as a dominant. I don't care. Um, in fact, I prefer people will write to me and say, oh, mistress, oh, goddess, oh, you know, ma'am. And I, I write back and I say, you know, please don't call me whatever it is. Um, I don't own you. Therefore, I prefer not to be titled by you. You can call me Nookie or Miss Nookie if you prefer an honorific. Um, because to me, my dominance, like, I don't know, like my attention, I guess, is something that I have a tendency to reserve for those people who have given me reason to share it with them. Exactly. And it's a matter of, I'm, I'm sorry, did we negotiate to have this like scene? <laughs> Cause right. why are you, why are you calling me such? Cause I barely fucking know you. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Yeah. I've, yeah. I've definitely been in those predicaments before. That's, and, and that's a weird one. And I know that, um, you know, for a lot of people, like, especially people on the right side of the slash, you know, a lot of the times they're afraid to say something like, oh, you don't get to call me submissive until, you know, and I, I just say, if somebody can't interact with you as a human first, then as whatever gender you identify as, then as whatever role you identify as, I 
personally, I don't think that, you know, they really have much right to your attention at all. And then just to kind of get more background on, I guess, some of the parties that you've attended, would you say there was, would you say there was a party that stood out to you that sort of influenced you to, I guess, start your own events? Which just like, you know what, I went to this ridiculously kinky, whatever sort of party, and I need to start my own, whether it was a workshop, play party, etc. I can't think of any one thing. I've off and on through many, many years been hosting like newbies nights and game nights and things like that. Um, I never wanted to host any parties ever, ever. Um, I'm more of an introvert than that. Um, but at one point I did end up, uh, co-owning a venue and running parties and we had some pretty amazing parties, I have to admit. Uh, but you know, that I'm not doing that anymore. And as far as education goes, even in my vanilla life, even before I started really stepping out into kink, I have been an educator. Um, I've been teaching people. I grew up with a professor in the family and um, my mother didn't work outside the home much. So she was always around to teach me and she was spending a lot of time, you know, teaching me things that I didn't learn in school or teaching me ahead of school levels. Um, So I guess that got passed on to me. So I've always been willing to share uh, my own information or information that I find or um, whatever with people. And I, I believe in kink, especially there's so much potential, so much amazingness that I go out of my way to, I don't know if I, I'm not, I'm not sure if I, I proselytize, although that's probably true, but um, I go out of my way to share, you know, the things that I know, the things that I learn, the things that I find to be interesting or curious or um, ridiculous even. <laughs> There's a lot of ridiculousness out there Um, and to share it with others and to connect with people through, you know, the potential that's out there for all of this. I, I can't imagine living a life without kink in it um, in some way, shape or form. And I can't imagine not having the depth of connection that I have. Now, I, now I, I will honestly say, I don't know if kink is the only reason for that depth of connection. Mm. Um, I'm not going to go so far. I, I've actually written way back several years ago. I wrote something like the, the we are special because we are DS bullshit, <laughs> which I don't believe that, you know, kink is inherently a better relationship style than every other relationship style out there. I do believe that for me, it has encouraged and inspired me to explore more depth than other relationship styles have. 
I can truly, truly relate to that because even when I tell people of my debauchery and the things that I come across, I always try to tell people, you know, this, this truly isn't for everyone and that's okay. But if you feel like that you were inspired by my adventures and this is something you want to take on, then I'm willing to, you know, share the information that I have. But if you just want to be a dirty voyeur and just live through me, that's fine too. <laughs> yeah. So I definitely get that. And then when you say that you were more introverted, would you say that that was maybe one of your main motivators for starting your events online or did you have like other motivations? <laughs> <laughs> it's so I, I started out life as more introverted. Um, and now I would consider myself an ambivert in that I need a good balance between yes. doing introverted things and being out with people. Um, but the, the online stuff, uh, last year, maybe August or September, I started thinking about the fact that we're, we're getting close to taking dating kinky out of prototype mode. And I wanted to plan for that. And one of the things that I've been thinking about for quite some time is the idea of, okay, so I'm creating a site to connect people, to help people date kinky, right? To find kinky people to connect with. And then at the same time, though, I'm constantly writing about, you know, people who aren't doing a very good job of that. <laughs> um, and to me, it, that, that takes me full circle right back around to education. So I felt like we need to have both the connecting aspect of it and the educating people on how to make the most of the potential of those connections. And so the online events were kind of a way to do that, a way to A, start, you know, lifting voices that aren't mine that have interesting things to say and to share education and opportunities with people who they might be introverted they might be unsure about going out to sloshes or munches or events where they don't know anybody um, and may not know anything right they're just dipping their toe in um, also people who, whose schedules may not allow them to get out often or whose budgets may not allow them to get out, out often or who live um, two hours away from the local events and maybe they can only get to one a month or whatever. And my thought was, I would like to be able to start creating communities for people to find each other through special interests, shared interests, through educational opportunities uh, to bring people together and to give them more education, more skills to be successful at what they're trying to do in kink. So how would you describe the, the classes that you host online? Um, well, so far it's been a crazy variety. I mean, we've had 
The first one we did was uh, hitting the A spot, analgasms for everyone. <laughs> um, Beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And we've done like red flags, green flags. So that's like about dating. Um, should you be paying attention to the red flags or the green flags or both? Mm -hmm. um, we did a full day, nine webinars in a row, 14 and a half hours for International Kinky Women's Day. Ah. Um, we've done three webinars so far about uh, COVID-19. We did um, the first one, which was a, a question and answer uh, about three weeks ago. And then we did another one that was about, um, you know, getting online and getting social and so on. And then just this past week, I actually hosted my first official class <laughs> on our system because I've been, you know, trying to raise other people's voices. And I did um, kinky dating and first dates during social distancing. Mm. Uh, and then we've got another one coming up that we'll be talking about maintaining existing relationships long distance. Um, I'd also, just today I was puttering around and I realized that I'd also like to do a topic of um, if you're together in your partnership during this social distancing, how might the quarantine and the, the isolating together affect your power exchange relationship. Um, and so do you need to be more engaged with it? Some people will. Do you need to be less engaged with it and be more just human together? Some people will need that, right? So the idea being, you know, how to have those discussions, how to play with your power exchange, how to keep it alive, but still not add to or actively even reduce if you can the stress of being constantly cooped up together Ooh. damn those are good <laughs> so you know and I, I was just wandering around today and i was like oh that would be something to really talk about because pet and i just actually had a conversation about that last night and you know how i'm changing some of our sexual protocols um, to take into account that we are, we chose very, we don't live together. We chose very specifically to isolate together. And what would normally work when he's out being super duper extroverted is not exactly the same as what works best, I feel. And we're going to try some different things out when he's here with me constantly with the exception of us exercising and getting um, supplies. And honestly, this conversation here, ex especially with COVID-19, this was the main reason why I wanted to interview you because I, I noticed that you were already ahead of the curve with these, you know, virtual classes. Mm -hmm. Whereas a lot of people I've, I've seen how it is, affected them in more ways than one but it just made me curious how if it has possibly affected you in a good or bad way since this has all happened whereas a lot of people it's become blatantly obvious we're just like okay they rely so heavily on these physical venues and now they have mm -hmm. to get with the times of okay I guess we're forced to do this online but you were already doing that 
you know? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's affected me quite a bit um, in some really good ways. I'm making some amazing connections and I'm getting the opportunity. Again, I keep saying this, I'm like a broken record, but to lift a lot of voices. Um, my goal for 2020, even though like I run Dating Kinky and I write blogs and everything like that, my goal for 2020 was very specifically to lift as many different voices from mine as possible. Um, so I'm, I'm still, I'm still on that. And this has actually in a lot of ways augmented that goal. It has also though, by doing so, there's a couple of, um, effects, business and personal. And the business effect is that, um, I'm making all of these connections and I'm doing all these things, which is wonderful. However, it is adding quite a load to my schedule. Mm. Um, and my schedule includes writing a book every month creating an online class every month, you know, organizing and hosting all of these events, you know, including a two day event we've got coming up in June. Um, so there's definitely some imbalance going on there. And then personally, um, I normally balance things out very well through my introversion and my extroversion and so on and so forth. One thing I don't, that I'm good at, but that takes a lot out of me is networking, I guess, um, online via phone when I'm not like in person and just, you know, kind of vibing with somebody. Mm -hmm. um, so in addition to an hour, for example, of that talk taking up space where I might normally be writing a book, um, it is also taking up energy for me to pay close attention to what's happening. I'm not, I'm not a natural charismatic, for example, the way that like my pet is. So I have to pay very close attention to what's being said and what's going on in order for me to be able to um, do what I do and make the connections that I do and organize these events and talk people into doing things. <laughs> And so how would you, I guess, how would you distinguish the pros and cons with hosting virtual classes compared to, you know, hosting classes at a physical venue? Luckily, I've done both, um, both in my home and actually at a dedicated venue. So I'll start there. Um, the first thing with a physical venue is that you both have... Um, more and less privacy mm. in the sense that you have more privacy in that only the people there can really know what's going on. Right. Um, so they have to show up at the event and, you know, see each other's faces and whatever. So, but at the same time, you have less privacy in the sense that if somebody shows up at that event, they see your face. So for those people who might be involved in government or um, teaching, for example, uh, live events, in-person events can be uh, fraught with peril, so to speak. Um, whereas online events, you can be totally anonymous. Um, however, most people are not used to being anonymous and they will give details of their life away 
much more easily online because they then feel anonymous, even though they're not really being anonymous. <laughs> um, and so there's that, and then add that to the fact that literally online, anybody could be recording the screen at any given time, right? Or, or the audio, it's, it's not um, cordoned off to anybody, really, if it comes right down to it. And so that's one of the reasons that I run my events the way that I do is, you know, I don't allow attendees, for example, to use uh, video or audio, because that's one way of protecting them from, you know, saying stupid shit. And I don't mean like <laughs> stupid as in an idiotic, but stupid as in, oh, shit, I didn't think that, you know, I just mentioned my first name and where I live in a tiny town in Indiana, right? And my three kids. Oops. Um, and it, it, things like that happen. So that that puts you know one layer of privacy into that, um, and then you know so it's 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 both you know and then the other thing is is that online for those people who are nervous around the idea of going out to events with a bunch of people they don't know, online helps calm that nervousness. You know, they can show up at an event online and go in as you don't know me one, two, three, right? And feel completely and totally protected and anonymous and safe while they kind of get their bearings on all these things, you know, all the things that they're supposed to be, you know, understanding and whatever. And they can do it with a username that doesn't attach them to anything else as well. And I think that that's also pretty critical. Mm. Those are definitely some valid points. And then, I don't know, it just kind of made me think, I, I, I don't know if it was just because of maybe my introduction to the lifestyle and possibly if it's a generational thing, I've never really given a shit about anonymity. Like I respect other people's you know, need for it, but I have never really tried to hide anything. And I, I, I do think it's some of how my introduction was because, um, you know, when I became a fetish performer, you know, I, I saw a lot of my friends on Facebook, but what I didn't realize was a lot of them made, um, you know, like secondary profiles. So it kind of mm -hmm. took me a second while I'm just using like my, my day-to-day -day profile. And I'm just like, oh, right. that's why they seem like they're so open. That's not their real name. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I don't know. I just kind of realized like I was already diving deep and everyone knew my name. And I don't know, like there just wasn't much consequence on my end to it. And I don't know. I just liked embracing it and just like okay let's see how far it goes and so it just it blends for me and that's that's the same thing for me i mean obviously you know somebody could go to tell my parents and they'd be like oh we were at that far longer than she's been alive <laughs> um but then if we turn this around for example take somebody in the military who's ethically non-monogamous mm -hmm. um that's against military law 
So even if they're married, even if both spouses agree, if they are caught having sex with somebody other than their spouse, they can be fired, just mm. whatever it is, thrown out essentially without any of their retirement because it's against the law. Um, you know, then, then you tie in, uh, you know, other government type things. Um, a girlfriend of mine several years ago was outed on Facebook and she lost her ability to be a student teacher mm. in the state of North Carolina. Um, and she was not very on the down low, but she was circumspect enough to make sure that that didn't get back to the school boards until somebody very specifically went on Facebook and started sharing her account information on FetLife with, you know, and attaching it to her Facebook account information. Um, so I don't have that issue. I mean, where I started from and, you know, like I'm my own boss. North Carolina is an at-will state though. And if your boss decides to fire you because he thinks you're a perverted jerk, he can do that. Mm -hmm. right? So like, that's the thing is like, I try very hard to not only be cognizant of my privilege in being able to be out and talk about this stuff and so on and so forth. But then I also like, for example, in my book, Dating Kinky, um, I talk about, you know, here are some of the things you need to think about when you're posting photos on kinky dating sites. Here are some of the things you need to think about when you're creating a profile or when you're, you know, messaging back and forth. Like, how do you protect your privacy? And I don't, I don't have any desire to tell anybody what to do, but I do very much enjoy telling people how to do in case they want to right? How to use Google voice in case they want to have a phone number, but not have it ring to their phone, for example. Things like that matter, I think. Definitely. And when you mentioned uh, making a profile, and uh, it reminded me when I created, I basically created a bottoming application for potential submissives. And some of the questions that I asked Pretty much, um, you know, just trying to be mindful of my own privilege of being out and open. So I normally ask, you know, on a scale of, you know, no one knows to like, oh my gosh, everybody knows. And, you know, just questions mm -hmm. like that. And, you know, um, if you don't have a photo in your profile, you know, would you be willing to share it so I know who to look for if you're willing to, you know, want to be submissive to me and yeah. just things like that. So you kind of have to ask those questions when you're vetting someone. And that's something that, again, you know, like in the book, um, I specifically talked about know who you are, right? Know what your interests are. And then also pay attention to if you are super out, like let's say you, you are super out and you decide to start dating somebody who is, you know, the um, district attorney. Mm -hmm. right? It, they can't be super out and you being super out can then affect them. 
So these are the types of conversations and negotiations that when we are doing this thing that we do, we need to discuss. Like, so my pet is out with his friends, um, but not like out at work, right? And I would never want him. In fact, I would, if he asked me, um, unless he was demanding it, I would never allow him to be out as a submissive or switch man in, you know, the general corporate, because that would reduce his social and corporate currency, right? So mm -hmm. when people from his work ask me what I do, you know, I'm a writer, which is true. Um, I write in, um, you know, re relationships and sexuality, which is true. Um, I'm building some apps, which is also true. That gives me plenty of things that I can speak to and about without having to go deep. It also means that if they find some of the things I do, they're not going to be completely freaked out. Um, but it also kind of calms them because I'm not, mm, I have no shame about it, right? Yes. And so it doesn't give them any reason to go looking for more. Whereas if I was like, oh, you know, mm, I, I don't like to talk about that sort of stuff. Mm, uh, uh, right? mm. So we had this discussion so that moving forward, I can actually in front of people that are um, not intimates of us that are related to like his work. I can lift him and, you know, treat him in ways that would be commensurate of somebody who, you know, greatly values their masculine man in public. Mm it's and it's not a fraud either because i do greatly value him and i greatly value that side of him as well um it is a conscious decision though to do that around very specific people whereas around other people you know i would like my intimate circle i would casually like tease and humiliate him because <laughs> he enjoys that right so it's, it's something that's important. And, and we talked about this. Um, we talked to a lot of like uh, female led relationship type people about, well, how does it feel to you to not be able to be open with your relationship? And, you know, a lot of people said, Oh my God, it's so hard. Mm. And, you know, for me, it's not terribly hard, but I think that's mostly because we've already negotiated we've had that conversation about how we're going to behave how we're going to act and so there's nothing weird about it moving forward we don't feel like we're hiding anything really we're just being ourselves in a slightly different manner yeah i've i've had a similar relationship where i felt like i don't know there were times where i felt like we were completely open until we stepped into more of the vanilla world where right. I was just like, oh, that's right. We're not as open as I thought we were. So it was interesting trying to find like the, I don't know, like where the bombs were. It's just like, okay, mm -hmm. we uh, aren't open in these aspects. Because I mean, the relationship lasted for several months and it was it was blissful while it lasted. 
but you know being being a single parent i i understood and also because of you know their professional field you know why there were certain times where we kind of just had to yield back a little bit but i felt like i had enough freedom to where i didn't feel completely restricted or just like oh my gosh you need to tell everybody and just you know fuck everybody and their thoughts and i don't know it was just never like that i think if it came down to you need to do this i i think that's where i would start to feel restricted but as long as they just let me know hey I, you know, I respect your openness, but these are just my limits, then I feel like it's Mm -hmm. easy to compromise. Yeah, I think, I think that, you know, then you have the option of saying, okay, so if you're going to be at a work event, how critical is it for you that I also Mm -hmm. be there? Right? Because that, you know, maybe it's just, you know, they say, oh yeah, you know, my girlfriend is not very sociable or, you know, has had, had a really, you know, long day or whatever. And so, you know, isn't going to make it out to things like this very often. And that's okay. I'm perfectly fine with that. Right. You know, so it's, it's figuring out, you know, how critical is it to whomever to be constantly um, accompanied by their mate in Mm -hmm. situations like that? Is that necessary? Um, and it, if it's not necessary, then that can help reduce the potential for cross-contamination, right, between your lives. Um, so, it, again, you know, there's no right or wrong answers as far as I'm concerned. There's just whatever works for you and the partner you happen to be doing things with. Exactly. And then before I forget, I actually wanted to dive into... A little bit more about your website. Uh, so with Dating Kinky, I guess, how would you describe what your website is and how it's distinguished from FetLife? Because I've noticed, you know, people are, as much as we love and appreciate FetLife for what it is, we always, you know, want something more from it. It's just like, ah, it's just like it's stuck back in like the MySpace days, when are they ever going to update and this, that, and the (laughs) third. And it seems like it's so hard for people to create an app and a website that's anywhere close. So I kind of wanted to dive into, you know, what got you started with your website and where do you see it going? So um, the the main thing to keep in mind about FetLife is that FetLife is positioned as our kinky Facebook. Mm -hmm. which means it's not a dating site. Now that doesn't mean you can't meet people on it. I mean, people meet people on Facebook all the time, Um, but it's not set up for that. So the, the old terminology used to be ASL, age, sex, location. Um, Mm -hmm. I've changed that. I call it AGL, age, gender, location. And then Mm -hmm. on top of that, I've added an R at the beginning, role, age, gender, location, right? Um, so that's something that you can't search on FetLife and any dating site meant to connect people specifically, you need to be able to search. Um, so I've worked behind the scenes of a lot of kinky dating sites, chat apps, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. 
And I realized that um, a lot of them are incredibly unethical. Many of them are filled with people racing to the bottom of the barrel as far as behavior goes. And most of them are not what I would consider very gender friendly. Um, and so I, I started dating Kinky with this idea of positioning it in such a way that it would be um, an open-minded spot for people to connect. So like I like to say, you know, it's built by kinksters for kinksters, poly, queer, trans folk, and anyone not quite vanilla. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing that's important to me is that it's also free. Um, so there's a lot of sites out there that like, for example, you can get in, you can create a profile, you can put all this effort into things, you can send out a bunch of messages, but as soon as you get a message, if you want to read that message, you have to pay $20 or $35, $35 for one month, I think $20 if you're willing to sign up for six months. And that doesn't sit well with me. <laughs> so we have been about two years prototyping and playing with a lot of different things. And we're a couple of weeks, maybe a week um, away from rolling out the first non-prototype version. And it'll be a stripped back version of, yeah, thanks. Ooh, it's been a while. Um, it'll be a stripped back version of what we've created in the prototype, but then once it's out there, we'll be iterating based on feedback and engagement from our members. Um, so we'll be putting up, here are all the things we've developed over the past couple of years. Here are all the things that we could do. Here are suggestions we've gotten. Vote on what's most important to you. And then we'll add those in bit by bit as we go. Um, and my premise is this. Dating Kinky is free in the way that FetLife is free. We call it a freemium site. That means that 95% of people that use the site will probably never pay me anything. Some people will choose to buy a membership and um, we will also eventually add advertisements in as well. Um, and we have, a, we have a plan specifically for ads as well where part of when people pay for an ad to be shown on the site, part of that payment will go into a jar that will then go back out to benefit the community. So um, we're going to be creating or at least it is my goal to create something that not only gives people a way to connect with one another, but then also gives back to the community through the education that we do, through like small grants to, you know, kinky businesses that want to start. Um, we, a couple of years back, had a woman here in town, one of our kinky friends who whose house burned down. Mm. And um, we, were able to raise several thousand dollars at the venue that I was a part of um, for that. So that's the type of thing I mean when, you know, we talk about giving back to the community, you know, yeah. being able to pull money together for grants like that, you know. Um, and then, of course, the education side. So just this year, we really launched the education side, which includes a library of the books that I write every month, online classes, um, webinars. Uh, the webinars themselves are free to join live, up to 500 people. Um, but the replays then go into our PLUS membership. 
So they can, you know, either watch them or then listen to them. We, we put them up in uh, audio format as well, like a podcast, so they can listen to them, you know, on demand. Mm-hmm. Um, except for the, the coronavirus stuff, the COVID-19 stuff, we're actually making all of those available to the public for free. And then we're working on right now um, a privacy online series that will also be free to the public. Uh, but a lot of the education stuff ends up going behind the paywall for our plus membership, which then, you know, like I said, a new book every month, a new class every month. It gives you features over on the dating side that, you know, will make it easier or better or whatever. Um, and it gives you access to those replays. So my idea being, this is kind of like a Patreon um, for kinky dating and education. You know, if you think that what I'm doing is awesome, you know, hopefully you'll support me and make it, make me able to continue doing all of this. I mean, I've not, I've not paid myself for this project for three years. Luckily Mm -hmm. in my past, I've made some uh, good decisions that have allowed me to get to where I am. And I've made some bad ones too. Don't get me wrong. Um, but, and to be able to like, for example, offer these webinars at no cost when, you know, other people again are scrambling to, um, you know, find a way to pay for enough zoom credit or whatever to host the things that they're hosting and, you know, figure that out. Um, I'm lucky that, you know, I've been able to make decisions at the right times for those things to, you know, be possible for me. Hi, this is Sassy, and I'm here to say a few words about the webinars through Dating Kinky by Nookie Notes. Even the ones that don't necessarily apply to me, I have found to be extremely interesting. They are very educational, and while most of them are serious in nature, uh, there is some very lighthearted fun with respect to everyone that makes it a well-rounded experience. I hope that others can take advantage of them uh, and the replays that they offer and just have a great time listening and learning. The more you know, the more you grow. And so now I want to dive into the shit show stories because now it, it'll be interesting if you actually have any shit show stories when it comes to webinars, but whether it was a class that you hosted at a physical venue or just things that just went wrong, left, just completely out of control for a webinar, I'd love to hear a story or two of just a time that you hosted a class and just shit went wrong. I have actually, you know, interestingly enough, I've been, I've been racking my brain about that. And <laughs> I have not a single one. I mean, things go wrong all the time. And yet I would say that the kink community is generally so chill mm. that for me, there's always been a way to recover. Like, you know, maybe we started a little bit late or maybe we had to switch out, you know, the bottom or, you know, whatever. Um, But there's never been one that I can like look back and say, ooh, 
you know, like I don't have any of those. Uh, um, now, of course, you know, if we were to talk about like dating stories, well, <laughs> we could definitely get into some dating stories if you want to share. I, I mean, I've, I've, I've posted a few of those, like things like, um, you know, back in the day of uh, Craigslist personals. Oh boy. Uh, I could pretty much guarantee that I would get, you know, at least one good shit show thread out of, out of a post on Craigslist, <laughs> um, you know, and things like where people would, it got to the point, I, this was funny, it got to the point on Craigslist where there were people who could recognize my writing style um, <laughs> and they would flag me as soon as they saw me because and they would, they would send me notes saying that they flagged me and that they knew it was me because I had rejected them in the past. And as far as they were concerned, if I had rejected them, then, you know, I wasn't going to have the opportunity to reject anyone else. Um, I also, you know, got called horrible names. Um, I had somebody yell at me for saying, no, thank you. Well, then why did you even bother to write back? And I had hundreds of people yell at me, um, for not writing back quickly enough, even to say, no, thank you, if that's what I wanted to say. Oh um, so yeah, you know, I've, I've met people out that were already drunk at the beginning of dates. I have, um, I had somebody break down crying about their ex in the middle of a date. I had somebody tell me about how they and their ex and their children were going to therapy three times a week. And oh I'm like, this is, this is not, this is not what I want to be talking about during a lunch date, you know? <laughs> um, oh, what? That's not totally normal to talk about on a first date. Just, uh, you know, put it all out there. <laughs> uh, yes. And I, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of, you know, general transparency. Um, I think though that there's definitely a time and a place for such things, right? Yes. Um, oh, then there was the guy. There was, <laughs> there was the guy who approached me on OkCupid who told me that he was going to um, talk to me in dom mode now, whatever that meant. And then he asked me if I liked bottom sex. And I was confused. I'm like, do you mean like sex in my bottom or as a bottom in the scene? Or So he, he meant sex in my bottom. And I said, well, that's not something I'm willing to discuss with a stranger online. And then he went about telling me um, how I was doing this all wrong. Oh, gosh. Um, this is not how one speaks with a dominant. And I'm like, well, that's strange because as a dominant, um, I would absolutely allow somebody to maintain their personal boundaries so that they could get comfortable around me and, and learn to trust me. Mansplain um, alert. <laughs> well, I mean, it, I think entitlement splain. I mean, I've had, to, to be fair, I've had people of all genders tell me exactly what I should or should not do as a dominant or as a kingster, or, I mean, I've had people tell me that, you know, in the same piece of writing, I'll have people tell me I'm, you know, God's gift to kingsters. And the other side of people tell me that, you know, I am all that is wrong with the kink community today. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, I've had people tell me that I should die in a fire because of, you know, they didn't agree with something I wrote, or I've actually had somebody tell me that, um, I should kill myself, not because of what I said, but because of what somebody else said on my writing, and I left it there mm. instead of deleting it. So, um, you know, humanity is fascinating, and 
you know, if, if you want a shit show, just post something on, on FetLife that, you know, people may not agree with and sit back and relax because it'll come to you. Oh, I have definitely been seeing the shit shows, especially with, especially dealing with COVID-19 and, you know, just the constant updates of, you know, how many people can be gathered and if we should even be hosting events at all. And mm-hmm. yeah. it's been a hot fucking mess, but I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm still grateful to see where and how people stand when it comes to a time of, you know, a, a pandemic, a crisis. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, yeah. all right, we're going to see the good, bad and the ugly in everybody. And you know, it, it kind of made me think when a lot of you were just like, oh, just unfollow them and, you know, leave the groups. And for me, I'm never as tempted to actually leave right away because I want to know what's going on behind closed doors. It's just like, right. okay, like I understand disagreeing with these viewpoints and maybe I won't support them like I did before, but I still want to know what goes on behind those closed doors instead of just completely closing my access, you know, to those conversations. Yeah, I've had people say that, you know, they're not going to support, and by support, they mean actually use the free stuff that Dating Kinky offers, Mm -hmm. because at one point in the past, I had somebody on a webinar that they, I guess, morally disagree with, Um, and I write back to them, I'm like, look, having somebody on a webinar doesn't necessarily mean that I promote them or that I agree with them. It simply means that they had a point of view that I thought was valuable for that webinar. Um, However, I'm also not going to be blackmailed by anybody telling me who I can or cannot, you know, ask questions of for an hour online. Um, I, I mean, I can totally understand if somebody's problematic. In fact, I will openly admit when I'm talking with somebody that I know is problematic. That doesn't mean that their brain has stopped functioning or that they can't present a point of view that the world could gain from, even if only to say, don't do this. Um, But I mean, and and so I've said to those people, I'm like, well, then you're probably not going to be a good fit for dating kinky because, you know, we're going to accept anybody on the site who, I mean, obviously doesn't have like a a verifiable, you know, police record of sexual assault and, you know, blah, 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 those important things. But as long as they follow the rules, which my rules are pretty fucking strict on, on FetLife, speaking of shit shows, on (laughs) FetLife, I allow and enjoy the shit shows on my writing because I want to see different perspectives on my site anything that it could be considered you know hateful racist uh misogynistic uh transphobic etc 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 is shut down Im- immediately right because as far as i'm concerned on a dating site that's not what you're here for you're not here to antagonize people you're here to meet people you can go to fat life if you want to antagonize people mm-hmm. you know that's absolutely your priority but on Dating Kinky, it's uh, we're going to reward positivity or keeping your mouth fucking shut. Like, I don't care if you're a Nazi. You just can't talk about it on my site. Mm. Right? 
And if you are a Nazi and I see you on FetLife, I'll probably verbally punch you in the face. Um, <laughs> but that's, that's a different point. Yeah, I guess because we have now entered the era of cancel culture, there's only so much that we want to hear. And as soon as it, uh, you know, mainly disagrees with a very, you know, popular opinion, we no longer want to hear it. And so I, yeah. I understand to some extent where, you know, there may be certain people and depending on how problematic they are, that we shouldn't give them a platform. But, you know, there's just various scales of just like, okay, how far is too far for being problematic to where we just need to cancel them? Or where it's just like, okay, maybe we don't need to actually cancel them out, but we need to address that they're actually problematic. And then we're just like, okay, they're so problematic. We just don't need to give these motherfuckers a platform. So I don't know. It's, it, it's tricky. I mean, it absolutely is. I mean, I'm going to walk the the line as I see fit, really. Um, and I'm guessing other people will, you know, make their choices based on that, uh, which is absolutely their right. I, you know, I'm I'm perfectly willing to say, you know, if you're going to make your choice based on, you know, X, Y, Z, I'm going to make a different choice. You know, best of luck to you and everything, um, because that's that's just who I am. You know, if somebody can come onto my site. And maybe they're problematic elsewhere. However, they are not, they've never crossed that line. They've never, you know, physically assaulted somebody. They've never, you know, like there's, there's certain things that obviously I'm, I'm a dictator of my site. So I'm, I'm going to make that final call. But if they can come onto my site and they can behave like a human being, right? And provide value, then I'm going to let them do that. And to me, I think in some ways it's kind of like the difference between, and this is not true of everybody, but the difference between, you know, how some people act at um, a sporting event versus how they act at a fine dining restaurant, right? Some people act the way that they act on sites like FetLife because they can, mm right? Because it's amusing, it's entertaining or whatever. And some people are the same everywhere. There's not going to be one, one answer for everything, right? The, the world is more nuanced than black and white. Um, and I like to say, I often, I don't say it's black or white. I often say it's black and white. I can be both. I can be both an amazing, compassionate person and also like say snarky, hateful things about people, mm -hmm. right? This, this is, this is the human condition. I do. So. I definitely agree with that. Cause for me, it's, it's hard for me to see things in black and white. So I always just tell people, well, you know, I, I see things very gray. And so I tend to be devil's advocate. It's the same when, you know, people gossip to me or they tell me their problems. I'm like, well, please realize this is only one perspective. And like, right. even if we're best friends, there's only so much I can, I don't know, there's only so much perspective I can take before I have to, you know, really take into consideration like, okay, this is only one perspective. 
Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of gray area here. So I, I definitely agree with that. But I, I want to thank you so much for being on my show today. This has been such a pleasant conversation that we have had. <laughs> You're welcome. It's, it's been pleasant for me as well. I mean, I always like talking about kink and, you know, what it, again, what it means to us and, you know, what we can get from it and how deep we can dive. And there's just so many aspects to all of that that I think are worth talking about. Definitely. And so before we sign off, where can people find you? What are your social medias? What are your websites? Oh, well, that's a good question. Um, so <laughs> on uh, Fat Life, I'm Noki Notes, N-O-O-K-I-E-N-O-T-E-S. Um, I am on Twitter. Pinterest, YouTube, Facebook, and Medium as Dating Kinky, D-A-T-I-N-G-K-I-N-K-Y. I also own and run datingkinky.com, which has both the dating site access and the educational stuff, like the books that I write. Uh, right now I have out uh, Dating Kinky, Presents Dating Kinky, The Big Book of Ass, um, so what is kinky anyway, FLR Femdom and Women in Charge, and um, this month, within the next day or two, um, Understand Me Now and That's an Order, uh, Communication for Relationships Including Kink, BDSM, and Ethical Non-Monogamy, and then I got books coming out on orgasm and ethical non-monogamy and blah, 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 blah. Um, and then the last thing, notcheating.com, which is, um, that's going to be June. And that's when the book on ethical non-monogamy is going to be coming out. It's not cheating. It's ethical and consensual non-monogamy. And we're also doing a two-day event, free webinars, Saturday and Sunday, the 13th and the 14th of June. So if you go to notcheating.com, you can sign up to get updates or if you go to notcheating.com, you can sign up to let me know that you'd be interested in maybe presenting uh, a webinar for that. We have not filled out everything that we're doing, but I'm super excited about that one coming up. That sounds amazing. So thank you so much for sharing that. I'll definitely make sure to add all of that in this uh, episode description. Fabulous. So thank you so much for being on the show today and thank you my fellow listeners for tuning in while Lady Daddy talks. <laughs>